You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football today. Welcome to the NFL Combine Special on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We're live on YouTube right now. And we're going to take you around the world of the NFL, specifically the NFL Combine, taking place in Indianapolis all this week. Workouts getting started on Friday. And we're going to take you through a good preview of everybody that's working out. The Underwear Olympics are upon us, Joe Lisi. Rich Germanella and Corey Parson are with me. We'll get to them in a moment. But want to let you know that we'll take you through each and every position related to the fantasy sports landscape, exactly what teams need and what these players can provide for teams early in the draft. A little bit later in the draft, we'll break down each and every player. First, uh, to my left, Joe Lisi. You can find him on Twitter. At Go for the Two, Joe Lisi is the host of College Football Today. Each and every Saturday during the college football season, Joe, what's going on, buddy? No, this is what it's all about, Mike. I mean, combine special players looking to make it in, on NFL rosters. This is what it's all about. We'll hear some of the bigger names like Baker Mayfield, like Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, and Sam Darnold. But there's some other quarterbacks in this draft that can help out teams in round number one, two, and three uh, this this weekend. Yeah, no doubt. So, Rich Schermanello, uh, you can find him on. Also on that same show, College Football Today, you find it on Dish. Uh, you find it right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Rich can be found on Twitter at Rich Ciarminello. That's C I R M I N I E L L O. Rich, how you doing, buddy? Doing well. Looking forward to the show tonight. Uh, I, I find it fascinating that we've reviewed tape. We've watched these guys. People like Joe and I have looked at these guys and reviewed them since their high school days. But all of the speculation over the past couple of years, how tall is that guy? How strong is he? How fast is he? We don't typically get those numbers from the colleges. You know, oftentimes they're overinflated. They're actually taller than they really are. They're slower than they actually are. Now we have a chance over the next couple of days to see some actual measurables that are going to uh, matter to GMs and scouts. And guys that will improve themselves in that right as well. Guys will fluctuate based on some of these measurements and some of these workouts. And all the way at the end of their end is my man, Corey Parson. You can find him here every single day on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network (laughs) all day doing football shows, golf shows, baseball shows, all kinds. So you find him on Twitter, at the Fantasy Exec. Corey, what's going on, buddy? Ain't nothing much. Looking forward to the next three hours, getting ready to talk and break it down as we get ready to push towards the 2000. 18 NFL draft. You know the NFL draft is Christmas Day for NFL fans. Yeah. You get to unwrap the new presents. So now we get the first look at these guys and see how they're going to affect the fantasy landscape in 2018. Yeah, so to give you a sense of exactly what we're going to be doing here for the next three hours, it's going to be myself, Joe, Rich, and Corey breaking down all of these players. I'll kind of set everybody up so you can comment on who do we think is probably rated fairly. At this point in the process, look, this is one step in the process towards the draft, right? Guys can improve themselves. Guys could conceivably hurt themselves. But we'll give you a picture of where we think they are right now in the NFL landscape. What Corey and I will also try to do is plug these team, these players into a team that needs a particular position. You have a team, for example, Joe was talking about some of the quarterbacks. We know the Arizona quarter Cardinals need a quarterback right now. Uh, They're in desperate need. There's a few different buckets of quarterback needs in the NFL right now. Some need long-term help. Some need help immediately. So we'll try to figure out, Corey and I, exactly where these guys could go and what team could use a player like player X, Y, or Z. So um, we'll review the draft order in a few minutes. But why don't we focus first on that QB shuffle? Uh, Granted, it's going to be talked about six ways from Sunday, and we're just getting started with it. But, Joe, you threw out a few of the names to start. You you look at different draft experts, what they're mock drafting, and Josh Allen is on the top of some boards, Sam Darnold on the top of some others. So as it stands right now, how many quarterbacks do you think you'll see go in the first round? I think you're going to see about four or five quarterbacks possibly in the first round. Do I agree with that assessment? I'm not so sure. I don't think this is a deep quarterback class. If you look at it from a franchise perspective, I will say this. The most polarizing player from a quarterback perspective in this draft is Louisville quarterback Lamar Jackson. For me, he's the X factor. He would be my number one guy, Mike. I mean, I really feel that Lamar Jackson possesses the attributes to take on the next level. You're talking about a guy that completed only 59% of his passes. A lot of has been said about it being an inconsistent quarterback, but he cut down 
down on the sacks, and people don't recognize the fact that he lost his top three leading wide receivers from 2016. That aside, I mean, he is the most dynamic player at the quarterback position that we'll see. And if Tyrod Taylor can make it in the NFL and Deshaun Watson with Houston, there's no reason to think that Lamar Jackson can't be a first-round draft pick. I got to think that he, when you look at it from an NFL defensive coordinator standpoint, out of the crew that's coming out, he's got to be the guy that creates the most mismatches. He's got to be the guy that is going to be toughest to game plan against Lamar Jackson. And as far as what he can do with his legs and his arm and his ability like that, and the fact that people actually think that he should be a wide receiver in the NFL, I think that's flat out disrespectful right there. So I would agree with you. I think that he's a top quarterback in this class. So Rich, what's been interesting to me to watch some of these mock drafts, put Lamar Jackson aside for a second, is how we viewed this quarterback class probably back in August as a potential all-timer quarterback class. And most of these guys managed to play themselves away from that conversation. Darnold with his ability with with the turnovers all year long. Josh Rosen with... It's never really been on-field stuff, but it's some off-field stuff. It's got durability issues as well. A couple of concussions this year. Lamar Jackson, as Corey said, some people are trying to slot him in at wide receiver because maybe they're worried that he runs too much. He could get hurt long-term in the NFL. And Josh Allen, frankly, is a guy completed 56% of his passes. He went up against Mountain West competition, didn't do particularly well when he didn't play outside the Mountain West. Yeah. So, And then Baker, who broke a bunch of records, but we, you and I talk about this regularly. Yeah, he the Big in, 12 defense. Played in sure. the Big 12. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm impressed by stats, but I don't get particularly impressed when guys are throwing for 400 yards in a half. That's a right. defensive issue. The Super Bowl was very much the same way, guys going up and down the field. So how do you think this will shake out? And do you think it will be teams just drafting because they need it, not because these players are so valuable? Yeah, I I think it's more of a case, Mike, where quarterbacks are going to be drafted higher because it's a quarterback-driven league and it's such an important position. So, you know, Baker Mayfield, take him as an example. Polarizing figure, right? Uh, uh, Magnetic on the field, off the field. He's had some issues. But Baker Mayfield, to me, is more of a late first-round, early second-round type of a player. And yet, he's probably going in the first five to ten picks. So I think it's more of a case of teams needing quarterbacks, wanting to jump and grab that guy. I see flaws in every one of these quarterbacks. The cleanest prospect for me is Sam Darnold of USC. Now, he had some problems last year, too many turnovers, but he is the most polished quarterback in the locker room and on the field. Josh Rosen, beyond the durability, I don't know if he loves football. One of the things I like about Baker Mayfield is the kid loves playing football, but he's just a shade over six feet tall, and he's flashed a lot of immaturity, and he's played in an offensive system that's tailored for big numbers against those weak defenses of the Big 12 that we've talked about. So, every one of these quarterbacks has severe flaws. Everyone has upside, but in terms of the future, if I look ahead five years from now, I don't know if we're saying two, three, four franchise quarterbacks. I don't know if this draft is going to produce that. And in terms of Lamar Jackson, anyone who says that this kid is a wide receiver at the NFL level is ridiculous. Now, I'm not suggesting he's going to be the next big thing, but I think he's a right-handed Mike Vick, and that's a good place to start. Yeah, Mike Vick came out this week, Joe, and said that he feels like it's a spitting image of himself. you feel the same way? I do. I, his ability to put pressure on opposing defenses on the perimeter, you're talking about a quarterback that threw for over 3,600 yards, 27 touchdowns. He also rushed for 1,601 yards, 18 touchdowns on the ground. His ability to create, especially when you look at the NFL, the speed on the defensive line, their ability to run sideline to sideline, Matt, is where Lamar Jackson will excel. You look at the escapability factor and his ability to keep his eyes downfield. He was one of the most sacked quarterbacks over the last couple of years in college football entering 2017. He was sacked 44 times in 2015, 47 times in 2016 because he did not know where he wanted to go in his reads and progressions. Last year, he was only sacked 30 times. He became a better pocket passer, even though his completion percentage went down. That's why I think he's most the most dynamic player from the quarterback perspective in a top 10 pick. Corey, what just uh, this is wild speculation, but let's say Lamar Jackson wins out. Look, it's a, different, it's, it's, a, it's a different kind of player. Let me, I'll make the okay. comparison. Tebow wasn't somebody no, that no. NFL guys were in love with, but it just took one team to do it. 
same forward, same forward a few years later, Johnny Manziel. It really just took one team to do it. Several teams were scared, and they wouldn't have had Johnny on the draft board at all. Same with Tebow. So say Lamar Jackson wins out during this process, and one team decides, we're going to do it. Yep. We're going to make this guy our franchise quarterback. What is the type of team do you think would take a risk? Like a, de- that? a team, a, a, a defensive-minded team that needs a, that can have a quarterback to come in there and add a spark on offense. I look at the Jacksonville Jaguars at the end of the first round as an opportunity for Lamar. I think that would be a smart move right there. Lamar Jackson gets with that team. That team, AFC Championship this game this year. We know Blake Bortles just signed the contract, but Blake Bortles can be moved. He's the piece there right now. But you take a defensive-minded head coach, give Lamar Jackson to the offensive coordinator and say, make it work, and I think that could be a good spot for him. It would be interesting. Uh, The Jaguars are a team to Corey's point that people think got out of the quarterback market earlier this week is not the case at all. All they did was give Blake Blake Bortles an extra $7 million to sort of smooth out the money over the next three years. There is a lot of money dedicated to him for 2018, but that was already dedicated to him. So I would argue that they actually don't have a plan after 2018. Say Bortles' wrist is okay, he comes in, plays like Blake Bortles does, I think they're going to want to improve upon that, and that could be an interesting landing spot. Or late or early second, sort of where you saw Kaiser go last year. I could see absolutely a team waiting for that to happen with Lamar Jackson and coming up and grabbing him early second round. It happened with Deshaun Kaiser. It happened with Dalvin Cook in the running back position. Some teams just wait around to get a little bit more value and not lock in those first uh, round contracts for five years. So uh, we are going to talk more quarterbacks, and I think the quarterback class is a little deeper than some people are realizing. Maybe because these top quarterbacks have come back to the pack a little bit, but we saw some other names creep in during Senior Bowl week and during this process. And Joe, we may see some other guys provide real value in the mid rounds, like we saw with Russell Wilson, Tack Prescott, and others. Yeah, without a doubt, a couple of guys that I'm looking at is Mason Rudolph, and not a lot of people mentioning him. The one thing I like about Mason Rudolph. People will say he's a system type of quarterback, 65% completion percentage, over 3,000 yards. But, Mike, what he did on the road last year, 6-0 on the road or on a neutral field site, he's a battle-tested quarterback. He beat better competition in a tough environment, and that's why I like Mason Rudolph's game translating to the next level. There's some other guys, Matt guys, Logan Woodside's another guy you have to keep an eye out on, 28 touchdown passes. He can be a guy that backs up uh, a strong starter in the NFL, a fourth or a fifth round pick. He lost Kareem Hunt last year. He lost his starting wide receiver Cody Thompson to injury and still put up 28 touchdown passes. He's a smart quarterback that you can get in the fifth or sixth rounds and still make an NFL roster and be like a Kirk Cousins type of quarterback. Nah, well, I won't be Kirk Cousins need to win. But, <laughs> <laughs> but he can put up those numbers. And I mean, a, a lot of people, some savvy NFL people that I know that follow this stuff, they really do think that the kid Mason Rudolph is the top quarterback in this draft class quietly. Yeah, he, he reminds me a little of Aaron Rodgers. Is he Aaron Rodgers coming out of Cal? No, but his pocket presence, his ability to go through his reads and progressions, and the fact that he's a winner. Everybody talks about Baker Mayfield, but when you do it on the road or on a neutral field site in your better, better games, that's a quarterback that you really have to take a look at in the NFL. Rich, yeah. does he scare you because of the Big 12 tag? Yeah, I'm not in love with Mason Rudolph as much as Joe is. Uh, uh, Baker's a winner because he was undefeated against True. Mason Rudolph. True. And it never lost Oklahoma State. Um, different types of quarterbacks. I think Mason Rudolph benefited from having James Washington, all of those great uh, wide receivers, Mike Gundy as his head coach, a system that really played to the quarterbacks, I think benefited Mason Rudolph. I think he's a nice quarterback. I don't know if he's ever a starter in the NFL. He does not have a great arm. He doesn't have a big-time arm. I th- again, I think he benefited from those wide receivers. The name I wanted to throw at, I wanted to look for a, a quarterback that may be on the second, probably third day that stands out for me is Luke Falk of Washington State. I don't think he's a system guy. I know people are going to say that because, you know, he's he's at Washington State. He's with Mike Leach. Had a tough year last year. I think Leach got in his head, benched him a couple of times, which really impacted Luke Falk. But love the spirals he throws. Throws a very tight ball. Again, doesn't have a monster arm, but on those intermediate routes, 
I like Luke Falk. I think he's got a good future in the NFL. Yeah, and he didn't put up numbers uh, with the dynamic wide receiver court. Tavares Martin got suspended in the bowl game. Uh, he didn't play in the bowl game due to injury. So Luke Falk, when you look at his career, over 68% career completion percentage in Pullman. That's dynamic uh, production with lesser talent in the Pac-12. How about this guy, Riley Ferguson, the former Tennessee? I, I like Riley, Riley Ferguson. Ferguson yeah. to me is a guy you have to keep an eye out on. He's another battle-tested quarterback, Mike, that can translate to the next level. You're not going to take him in the first or second round, but you'll take him in rounds three, four. He's like Nathan Peterman, not in terms of production. He's a winner, but he reminds me of Nathan Peterman's stature and his ability in terms of t- intangibles on the next level. I like Riley Ferguson. I think the tough part about Nathan Peterman comparisons now, uh, at this stage is because he had the one bad Correct. game, but when you look back a year ago, he was a player, Corey, that a lot of NFL guys were talking about could sneak into the second round because they like how he commanded the offense. So we could see other guys like Peterman that provide value in the mid-rounds and could be a future franchise QB. It's going to be a couple guys like that that you see come out, you know, like the Dak Prescott situation that you see drafted a little bit later on in drafts. Listen, people have been scouting these guys for years. They kind of know what they want, exactly what fits their system properly, and I think that's kind of where the NFL is going. It may not always be the big, flashy athlete, but the guy that fits our system. So, a lot of these guys, offensive coordinators around the league will be getting a chance to look at them at the combine, pro days over the next couple of weeks, and they'll be able to figure out who's the guy for them. So, when we come back, we're going to talk we'll review the draft order we're going to talk more quarterbacks because there is a lot to cover here especially in the shifting landscape this is as big a qb shuffle offseason as there can be there's teams that are going to get out from what they have there's teams that are going to plan for the future and there may not be enough rookie quarterbacks to go around in order to do that uh we know that about the free agency that's going to happen with kirk cousins we'll review that and his possible landing spot so it's Mike Blewett, Joe Lisi, Rich Germanella, and Corey Parson on the College Football Today 2018 NFL Draft Combine Special. We're on for three hours. Catch us on YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. We'll be back after this. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. on the College Football Today 2018 NFL Draft Combine Special. Before we get to keep going over the quarterbacks, I want to ask you if you love watching your fantasy players score a winning touchdown. Now imagine you actually got to call that touchdown play. The Fan Control Football League is putting play calling in the hands of fans with real professional football players running the action. From drafting rosters to voting on trades, the FCFL fan is one part coach, one part GM, and one part owner. This is all done through the fan token. Fans earn fan tokens each time their vote yields a successful outcome. The more fan tokens a fan earns, the greater power is attributed to their future votes. Just visit fcfl.io to learn how you can take control. That's the fan control football league. So let's review the draft order because I think that's going to be important as we go through it. Corey and I are going to be talking about team needs. Who could be a fantasy breakout star? You had Kareem Hunt this year. We weren't talking about that guy a year ago. We were in that he could be a star, but we didn't think he was going to lead the NFL in rushing. There's a lot of these things that are come up and help fantasy players in a huge way. So we're going to take Joe and Rich's foot, uh, college football knowledge along with Corey and I's fantasy knowledge. We'll try to get it together for you. For those of you that play in dynasty leagues and play in keeper leagues, you're going to want some of these guys, and people are going to jump all over these quarterbacks and whatever running backs are available. And Saquon Barkley, I could tell you right now, before we say another word, he's going to be the first pick off the board in every rookie draft. Right, Corey? 
Yeah, he'll definitely be the first pick off the board. I've already done uh, a couple drafts myself. He's in, in fantasy. You should, depending on where he lands, you should more than likely be on that first, second round turn. You're talking about a generational talent in Barkley, so interesting to see where he goes. People are going to be all over him. He's going to be on that first, second round turn. Should go off the board as about as fantasy boards as about RB6 overall. Yeah, so uh, high expectations already. So let me, let's do the draft order. So you got the Browns. Perennially, the number one pick in the draft. Uh, Shocking. Yeah, Browns are (laughs) at number one. uh, A team that has not picked at this position since 1981. The New York Giants are at number two. And they picked Lawrence Taylor last time they had the number two pick. So uh, not a bad job by them. Indianapolis Colts coming at number three. They have needs all over the place as far as a football team is concerned. And somebody stepping in there, if it's an offensive player, could really impact them in a big way. The Browns. Uh, via the Houston Texans, part of that Deshaun Watson trade, I believe, uh, number four. Via the Houston Texans, they are at number four. The Broncos are at five. Jets at six. Tampa at seven. Chicago at eight. They have their franchise quarterback last year, so the Bears are going to be going in a different direction uh, away from QB. I could see the Bears actually stockpiling picks and moving out of that pick if there's a run on the quarterbacks. Um, Going from there, Oakland Raiders... Uh, are at number nine. The Niners are at ten. Uh, Dolphins. That might be a coin flip. That, that was could be a, a coin flip. That it was a. Or did coin it happen flip. already? I think it did. If it happened already, I think San Fran is at nine and so, Oakland's at ten. So my bad. San Fran at nine, Oakland at ten, uh, Miami at eleven, the Bengals at twelve, Reds, uh, Washington at thirteen, Packers fourteen, Cardinals fifteen. Now <clears throat> I'll pause there. They have no quarterbacks on the roster that they want to use right now. They are not likely to get in the Kirk Cousins uh, sweepstakes. That seems to be limited to the Jets in Denver. We'll get into that in a moment as well. But the Cardinals are going to be a team, Corey, that's going to need a quarterback, and they could be moving up and down the draft board. So this is just how we're slotted now. They are probably going to be desperate to move up. At the press conference today, uh, Wilkes, the new head coach, Steve Wilkes, took the podium, and he said it's an absolute priority for them to get a quarterback this offseason, whether it be free agency, whether it be via trade, or whether it be being during the draft, that there's the absolute first priority. Their number one goal is to get a quarterback this season. So the Arizona Cardinals are going to be interesting to see what they do. I don't think they do it in free agency. I think it's the draft. I think they do both, actually. I could see Tyrod Taylor being a, June, a post-June 1 cut for salary cap reasons because they can get rid of a lot of money on him and they don't have to pay out as much if they cut him after June 1st. I could see them getting a guy like Tyrod Taylor, then draft somebody. Kind of a bridge guy. Yeah, Yeah. it's what they need right now because if they say they drafted Lamar Jackson and threw him into that when they already have an offensive line that's falling apart, I mean, who who would be a quarterback, Joe, that you would trust the most to be thrown into the fire? I'm with Rich. I would take Sam Darnold. I mean, from a, a gutty aspect, an intangible perspective, He's the guy that I think could come in in round number one and start immediately, and you could get growing pains, but you're still going to win some ball games. Is he an elite franchise quarterback coming out of the draft today? No. But he made his teammates around him better. You're talking about a, a starting quarterback that won nine straight games in 2016, took his team to the Rose Bowl. They won that ball game. He followed that up last year. He did throw 26 touchdown passes, became a Pac-12 champion. He's the guy that I would bank on as coming in immediately, being a starter, and filling the bridge for a team's need immediately. But is he the best quarterback from an upside perspective in this coming draft? No, I think it's Lamar Jackson. So I'm on board with I'm on board with what you said and what Rich said earlier. I have thought for some time that Sam Darnold was going to win out through this process just because, as you said, I don't know that he's necessarily going to be the best long term. But I know the NFL likes guys like that. And as long as he can quell their fears about uh, fumbling the ball and turning it over, I think he'll be okay. Look, I'm a BC guy. You guys know this. Matt Ryan, his senior year, threw for 4,500 yards, 31 touchdowns. It all looks good. Until I tell you that he threw threw 19 interceptions, too. Mm -hmm. That was a huge concern. Yeah. And he still does it. But Matt Ryan gets paid almost $30 million a year, and he will continue to get paid that because he's a guy that can get you to the Super Bowl and almost win it. Interesting right, right here. You, you, you should have won it. Steve, <laughs> NFL MVP. Uh, Wilkes, defensive-minded head coach. Mike McCoy is the OC. Mike McCoy wants a quarterback that he can bring in there and develop, but we haven't seen Mike McCoy do that yet on the NFL level. I think he's going to be judged unfairly for what happened in Denver, too. Um so, and look, he didn't have a ton of success in San Diego either. So we'll continue, continue to see that. But Arizona is the team that absolutely will be drafting a quarterback in the first round. I just wonder how much they move up 
in order to do that. So let me continue the back half of the draft. The Ravens at 16, they're always in this. This is the problem with the Ravens. They have never they never bottom out. So they get all these players hurt. They finish 9-7. and seven. Between 7-9 seven and 10-6 and, and six every year, they're not, they won the Super Bowl five years ago, credit to Harbaugh. But the problem is they haven't been able to reload with any elite players because they're always picking here. You know what I mean? It's a tough spot for them to be in, 9-7, and 8-8. Eight and eight. They kind of live in that territory right there. They have had huge missteps. Ozzie Newsom, one of the great evaluators and general managers in the NFL, but they have had huge missteps, particularly at the wide receiver position. That is something that they, they, they have to fill, whether they do it by the draft or free agency, wide receiver, tight end. This is a team that don't spend any money, so it's going to be interesting to see how they do this draft. So as we go through the positions, we'll tell you where we could see a guy falling to the Ravens. Uh, keep going through. Chargers at 17. Los Angeles Chargers at 17. I'm used to that now. Seattle Seahawks at 18. Cowboys, your Cowboys, Corey, are at 19. Uh, the <laughs> Detroit, Detroit Lions, the, the other 8-8, eight 9-7 and, eight, and seven perennial team, the Detroit Lions. Bills coming in at 21 and 22. They have six picks in the first three rounds, the Bills, by the way. So they could be a player in this draft as much as they want to be. Uh, they could go for depth, but I do think that they're going to move around and get one of these quarterbacks. Rams coming in at 23. And they just got rid of a fourth-round pick and the 2019 in the second round for the Marcus Peters trade. Panthers at 24, Titans at 25, Falcons 26, Saints 27, Steelers at 28, Jaguars at 29, Vikings 30, Pats 31, and Eagles 32. So just wanted to set it again. And uh, Niners at 9, Raiders at 10. I just want to make sure I got that right. So let's move back to the quarterback uh, discussion because there is a lot to talk about. I said this, uh, I believe, Rich, I was saying to you over the weekend when you were on the Fantasy Sports Today show, there's really three buckets for teams right now in the NFL. You got the teams that are desperate. We just went over the Cardinals. They got nobody that they want to play right now. They could go free agency and draft somebody. Uh, You have the teams that are set long-term, Packers, Falcons, Colts, assuming Luck's shoulder is okay. They have have a solution long-term. They don't need to worry about it. The Titans and the Bucks don't really need to worry about it right now either. They got somebody. Then you got the teams that are set for 2018, but I'm not so sure what's going to happen after that. The Dolphins, the Bengals. Like, are, are, is anybody still in love with Andy Dalton? I don't think there's many people out there that are in love with Andy Dalton. So, Corey, there's teams out there that have a quarterback right now for 2018. The Bengals, the Jaguars, the Dolphins. You can even put the Giants and the Steelers in this camp because... The Chargers, ben, the Chargers also. The Chargers, too. Yeah, people don't talk about Phil Rivers retiring. Ben talks about it every year, and he, people want to bench Eli, but you got teams that are going to need guys long-term. So I want to set that up for you guys because, Rich, I'll go to you first. A developmental guy, somebody that the Giants could use, and they don't have to take one of these quarterbacks in the first round. Maybe they do draft Saquon Barkley and then figure it out after that. Maybe You could also argue they already have it on their roster with Davis Webb. Yeah, I, I, to me, if, you, if you're thinking developmental as in third day, I'll go back to Luke Falk. I think he has starter potential in the, uh, potential in the NFL. Probably going to be drafted fourth, fifth, possibly slipping to the sixth round. But the problem that I have with this process, Mike, is developmental to me is Josh Allen. I mean, Josh yeah. Allen is the epitome of a developmental prospect. He is going to win the combine. Outside of maybe Lamar Jackson when it comes to the quarterbacks, Lamar is going to rip off a fantastic 40. But Josh Allen, with the velocity, the RPMs that he gets on his throws, his size, he's got that Battlestar Galactica size. He's enormous. He's built like a defensive end, moves pretty well outside of the pocket. So from a measurable standpoint, he is exactly where you need an NFL quarterback to be. But by God, you put the tape on that Iowa game in the opener was absolutely hard Horrible. to fathom I mean people keep telling me that well he lost a lot of receivers he lost his running backs big deal every every quarterback loses his top players right I mean every quarterback in college loses their top weapons every you know the juju was gone right. from Sam Darnold last year so <laughs> you know I, I I got a little bit frantic when it came to Josh Allen but he's a developmental prospect he's the kind of kid Joe that really should be drafted in the second or third round, but we know that's not going to happen. Someone is going to have to take this kid. He's rugged. He'll work well in, in bad weather. So, you know, those bad weather teams. I just think he's a developmental prospect because of the way the NFL is right now with quarterbacks. He's going to be taken too high. I know. I think he's more like a Philip Rivers 
body type. I don't think he's Philip Rivers coming out of NC State. And I agree with you, Josh Allen, to me, is a developmental quarterback. I put him in the fifth or sixth round. I don't think he's a top-flight quarterback. And you can go back to that Central Michigan game. He threw three touchdown passes. Central Michigan did commit eight turnovers in that ball game. You look at the two games that he had to step up in competition. 174 passing yards against Iowa. Two picks. They lost that ball game 24-3. They got blown out at home against Oregon. 64 passing yards, 64, under 50% completion percentage. And I don't care that Brian Hill moved on to the NFL. Josh Allen, to me, is not a first-round draft pick. My developmental guy, I I, I don't know if you like him, Kurt Benkert from Virginia, 6'3", about 220 pounds. He stepped up against the better teams on his schedule, threw for 384 yards against Miami in that loss. He's a developmental quarterback that I think can translate to the next level. He has a strong arm, so Kurt Benkert's my developmental guy in day two and three. So, Corey, a guy like Josh Allen, he, as Rich said, he might end up winning the combine. What he's he going to be overdrafted. He's going to be overdrafted and thrown to the fire because that's that's what the NFL is now. You bring in these young quarterbacks, especially on the first round, you cannot sit them. They have to go out there and play. They're going to get big money. You, they got to they put fans in, in the seats. Some of these franchises need a change. So these quarterbacks get thrown to the Wolves even though they're not ready. But it's just when you throw them to the Wolves, don't do what Hugh Jackson did this year. Yeah. Bench Deshaun Kaiser, yeah. put him back in. He ruined them. You can't ruin them. If you're going to go with them, you got to stick with them through the course of the whole season. Yeah, I mean, Deshaun Kaiser was set up to fail this year in every single way. Thrown out there too early. Thrown out there behind an offensive system that wasn't engineered maybe to his skill set. Um, in any event, I want to. Comp- I, I'd like to hear a comparison from Josh Allen, thinking back a few years to Blake Bortles, because Blake Bortles was a guy that wasn't a Power Five guy, but he had all the measurables that they wanted. He'd obviously put up big numbers at UCF, and I, I see some comparisons in that way. They're both athletic guys. I think sometimes people, because Bortles has shown some inaccuracy throwing the ball, people forget how good an athlete he is, and he really shows it. He showed it in the playoffs this year. So is there a comparison to be made between yeah. Allen and Bortles? I like it, yeah. yeah Go ahead, Joe. I, I, I agree. I, I mean, yeah, that's a great assessment, but Blake Bortles coming out of UCAF had, was a one-hit wonder for the most part. I mean, he came onto the map because they knocked off South Carolina that year. I mean, that was the year that UCF was 11-1. and They had a dynamic game against Baylor in the, in the Fiesta Bowl, so all of a sudden Blake Bortles comes bursts onto the scene because of his measurables. Deshaun Kaiser was 4-8 and eight as a starting quarterback in 2016. I mean, he wasn't a first-round or a second-round guy, in my opinion, but the Cleveland Browns took a shot and here he is as a starting quarterback there are growing pains when you take a quarterback with anything even a franchise quarterback look at Peyton Manning his first year you're going to have growing pains that being said the NFL combine to me for the most part was created by by agents and scouts for fringe players, players that were going to be taken in the 6th, 7th, and 8th rounds to really showcase their skills. And now we've turned it into making or breaking the top five picks in the NFL draft composed uh, as opposed to what they have done yeah. in a body of work over four years. You just talk about last year with Dalvin Cook. It's a three, four-day event. Dalvin Cook with a whole career at Florida State. He ends up dropping to the second round. People don't like his attitude. They don't like this, like that. Until he got hurt, he was on pace to lead the NFL in rushing. So... You got four years. You got years of tape on the guy. Go with that over nothing, what you see this weekend. Nothing was more indicative of the uh, the shift that players can have at the combine than we were sitting here last year. Leonard Fournette did his vertical. It was under thirty inches, and people were like, "Oh, that ankle's bad long term." Within an hour, he had run a four four one forty or four five one forty, and yeah. people were like, "It's done." He's a top fiver, and he's good to go. I, yeah, I, I, Joe brings up a great point. I, I mean, I completely agree. I think we overstate the importance of the combine. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we kind of put too much emphasis on it. But there are some things that matter. I know it sounds trivial, but hand size for a quarterback, just as a for instance. You know, if you have a quarterback, you know, Sam Darnold, there are concerns about the size of his hand. Maybe that's part of the reason why he's had some fumble issues during his career. I do want to see the 40 times. I do want to see, you know, the three-cone drill. I want to see the quickness of certain players so it does matter to me but at the end of the day I'm more concerned about tape 
the body of work, how well they played in clutch situation, big games against mm-hmm. big opponents. And, you know, just, again, just in terms of Josh Allen, if this was a kid that was picked where he belongs at this point, when you look at what he did last year, I would be excited about his future. But to Corey's point, if he's thrown to the wolves he will be. in year one or year two, you don't know if that's going to break this kid if he's ever going to recover from that. Yeah, we'll come back. We'll talk running backs. On the College Football Today 2018 NFL Combine Special. We're back after this. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. We're back on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, live on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, with Joe Lisi, Rich Giaminello, Mike Blue, and Corey Parson. We're taking you around the world of the NFL Combine. I want to get you some more information about the Roto Experts exclusive Edge package. Get your RotoExperts.com exclusive Edge Fantasy Baseball package now. This year's version is packed with more analysis than ever and includes a new all-day chat channel. Get prepped for draft day with our deep pool of stats and projections and an improved cheat sheet generator. Get rankings from the top guy in all of fantasy, Jake Seeley. Tips from award winner, Tim McCullough. And insider insights from Hall of Famer, Scott Engel. Enter code FNTSY at checkout for a discount on this year's Roto Experts exclusive Edge Fantasy Baseball Package. That's a mouthful. We, we got to shorten these things up. <laughs> oh, I have a lot to read about just the, the name of the show. This is the 2018, this, this is the College Football today. today, 2018 NFL Draft Combine Special. But anyway, we're going to be talking about running backs in a minute, and Saquon Barkley's at the top of that list. But the one guy I did want to talk about, Rich, uh, I'll let you wrap up the QB discussion. Kyle Lalletta yeah. is somebody that actually showed out well at the Senior Bowl. He did. Uh, FCS guy, but... That doesn't matter. Carson Wentz is an FCS guy. We have some other guys. Flacco technically was an FCS guy, even though he started out at Pitt. So uh, he may add something here for a team. Yeah, it could be another one of these third-day quarterbacks that possibly makes a roster. Had a chance to interview Kyle last year, kid from Pennsylvania. Uh, The things that jump out when you talk to the coaching staff. I talked to some of his coaches at Richmond. Uh, very smart. A lot of intangible type talk. 6'3", 215 pounds. Good leader. Very bright. Rallies the troops. Doesn't have an elite arm. That's the issue. He's got, uh, you know, short mid-level type passer. Not a big cannon. That'll be the issue. That's why he slips. But to your point, Mike, played very well in Mobile and that obviously helps his cause as we get closer to the NFL draft. Look, A.J. McCarron is about to get paid by somebody to be a bridge quarterback very similar he's got some similarities there it doesn't mean that he's got to go to the hall of fame but he could be a guy that is a bridge quarterback for somebody at some point or is a very reliable backup if somebody goes down uh throughout his nfl career so look there's been no secret about saquon barkley and how good he was this year and how he competed for every single award that was available to running backs and he's going to be the first guy off the board but i wonder if there's any chance that the pack moves up towards him or he moves back to the pack over these next few days, few weeks, few months, Joe? I don't think so. I think he's the number one pick in, in this draft, to, hands down, for Period. the running back position. Hands down. Okay. He, he will be number one overall. Would Darius you draft Chris, a number? Would you think he's the number one overall player like Corey suggested? There's a possibility. I would say because of Lamar Jackson's athleticism at the quarterback position, I would put him over Saquon Barkley. But that being said, I think when you look at this wide receiver and running back class as a whole, to me, I think it's very deep. So I think the drop-off from Saquon Barkley to guys like Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb, Akron Wadley, another back, and Rashad Penny, my personal favorite, isn't that big of a drop-off in terms of production. So, uh, yes, Saquon Barkley will be a top-five pick, but I think you can get some quality running backs in the second, third, and fourth rounds that can complement Alvin Kamara rookie uh, rookie season uh, this year for New Orleans. So I was at the pinstripe bowl, and I'm a BC fan, and it didn't go well. But Wadley was great. Uh, he, the guy Wadley. didn't return kicks all year. Mm-hmm. 
And because of the condition of the field, they're like, let's just put him out there. He had like almost 300 all-purpose yards in right. that game. Um, it was a wacky game because the field condition was so bad, but right. he showed out well. He's a local kid. We're, I mean, we're based. This show uh, comes out of Manhattan, so he's from not too far away, New York, New Jersey, I believe. Right? right? Yeah. He and he's a Dion Lewis. He's a uh, he is a James White type of running back. Corey Clement in that mold. He's not a an every down back, but in certain situations, especially in the short to intermediate passing game, he's a back that you'll pick up third, fourth, and fifth rounds, and he'll come another running back for an NFL roster. He led the team with over 1,000 yards, led, did have 34 total receptions. So this is a kid that shakes and bakes. He gets north and south very quick, can add about 10 to 15 pounds of muscle as well and not lose any speed. That's why I think Akron Wagley does have a big game is in the he, NFL Is next he a year. positive side of a timeshare? If you put him in a timeshare, is he, is he the plus side or is, or is he the guy that gets the third down work? He's the third down guy. He's okay. a Tevin Coleman. He's a, a Freeman for Atlanta. Atlanta, he's going to have to split carries. He's not going to be in every down back. What about the goal line? Mm, he's goal not line, big. no, no, not a, not a goal line back. If no. that's your back, Sony Michelle is the all-purpose guy, like an Alvin Kamara that I think has huge upside. You heard me talk about him throughout the year. Uh, for me, Sony Michelle. 5'10", about 215 pounds. He's a better prospect in this draft than Nick Chubb, who I think is more of like a Jonathan Stewart. To me, uh, Sony Michelle is the Alvin Kamara of this draft. So you talked before the show, Joe, um, Rich, about Darius Geis, and he, his name was not forgotten in any way, but he's getting short shrift because Barkley's getting so much of the attention, and he's a guy that you, maybe you get at a little bit better value than Barkley. What concerns me about Barkley isn't anything related to the talent. It's that whoever picks him in that top five is going to make him the highest paid running back in the entire league. Yeah. So, And if you're somebody like the Giants that already doesn't have an offensive line, I'd be really concerned. I actually don't think the Giants will do that. It's not organizationally the type of pick that they would make. But give me some give me some thoughts on Geis first. Yeah. And how close is he to Barkley? Uh, I, I think it's closer than people think, quite frankly. I, I, I think Darius Geis was he, – he's hurt by the fact that Saquon Barkley – really takes all of the oxygen out of the running back room. We know that at this point. But Darius Geis, if you want a true characterization of who he is, pull out the 2016 tape because in 2017, the kid was not healthy. This was not the same player that we saw in his first season of real action as a compliment and then as a replacement for Leonard Fournette when Fournette was injured. But when I watch Darius Geis, and when I analyze that tape, he's got everything. He has the speed, he has the power, and he has a little something extra, which is a tenacity. He runs aggressively. He runs violently. He does not shy away from contact. He will not go out of bounds. He'll get extra yards. He plays with a tremendous amount of intensity. I like comps because it kind of paints a picture in people's minds. I'm not saying he is this guy, but I see a young Ladanian Tomlinson. I think he has that kind of potential. So the gap between Barkley and Geis, I don't believe is as big as we would think at this point. I think he's the second best back in this draft, and I think he's going to have a very prolific career. No, I'll just say to Rich's point as well. To me, I think he has the patience of a a Le'Veon Bell, and I'll say this about his production. He led the team in rushing in 2016 with Leonard Fournette in that program. He was hurt for much of the year. He had a school record, 285 rushing yards in 2016 against Texas A&M. That broke Leonard Fournette's uh, school record set that year against Ole Miss. And secondly, when you look at the production from 2016 to 2017, the losses of wide receiver Traven Durrell and Malachi Dupree put a lot of pressure on the running game for Darius Geis. That's why you did not see the type of production in 2017 that he had the previous year. And that's the question I was going to ask. Why the dip in the production even though the carries went up? Is it a situation where he can't handle the workload in the SEC? I mean, he did have a game where he ran for 276 yards, which is unheard right. of. But with the, the, the uptick, I mean, he had almost 50 more carries in this year, but you saw that the yardage was over, over uh, under a thousand less. It was a non-existent passing attack okay. led by Danny Etling and Ed Ogeron, new offensive coordinator Matt Canada. It was a new scheme. Matt Canada no longer the offensive coordinator for LSU because him and Ed Ogeron did not get along. So that's why the the production for Darius Geis tailed off, and he did have some fumble issues in 2016. Two fumbles against uh, Florida that cost him that ball game. So Corey. Uh, Everybody's going to be looking for the next Alvin Kamara. 
I think I think I think Joe already said the guy, and he's been saying it all season long. We had him on the friends, and he talked about it. What I worry about is Michelle going to get all these NFL teams copycat league. All these NFL teams are going to see what the Saints did with Kamara and pull him way up into the first round, which we really don't see too many running backs except for like the generational type players. So Michelle is going to be he's going to be a hot topic because people remember what Kamara did last year. And he's going to be a guy that the NFL teams are going to want to get their hands on. My thing is this. Which one of these, can he be a bell cow running back? Who is the bell, is, is Geis a bell cow running back? Yes. 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 Yeah, yes. I think so. I, I would think you would say that about him. Yeah, there's How, no question about it. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be a star right out of the gate. Not sure where he's going to project at this point. Maybe mid, late first round. You think he slips into the second round? I don't think he will. I don't think he does. I don't think he will. Uh, I, I, I think he's an elite running back. I think right out of the gate yeah. he's going to be His a star at the NFL too. level. Pop in the tape and for, he, for, here's, the, here's the other thing I wanted to bring out. Tremendous balance. I yes. love running backs with balance. He'll get popped and then remain on his feet and still put yards after contact, balance. I think he's the total package. And pass protection. A lot is had been said about running backs moving on to the NFL. Pass blocking is a critical factor why running backs don't play every single down because they can't pass block. Barkley excels there exactly. as well. Yeah, Barkley exactly. does as well. Top and no, the, most of the generational backs do Ezekiel Elliott, also a fine pass blocker. I look at D.C., uh, Washington, and what they have. That's a place where a bell cow running back is needed. Alex Smith comes in as quarterback now. Now they just had they just they still had they drafted Sam Perine last year. Right. The kid Chris Thompson from Florida State, he's a third down back. Is Geis better than Perine? Yes. Oh, P- no P- Ryan, I'm no, sorry. it's, it's not it's yeah. not even close. Not even yeah. close. <laughs> yeah, because P-, P Ryan is a P Ryan is a one-dimensional, one-speed power back. You know what you're going to get. Great at the goal line, great at third downs. Geis is an every down back. I think I'm not sure about him as a pass catcher. Not sure how much he was utilized in Baton Very Rouge. Minimal. Very minimal. About, but, about 10 receptions. But he 14. is a true workhorse. He's a number one back. P. Ryan, I think, is more of a one-dimensional back. Yeah, and P. Ryan's a, a stiffer body type. He's like a bowling ball. He's yeah. like a, my favorite running back in Eric Bieniemy. I was going to say day. Icky Woods. Yeah, Icky Woods back in the day. Yeah. So. so we're having a good like free-flowing discussion. We have Wadley we know is a sleeper. We, we think Geis is uh, probably even better. I, I think Geis is the type of guy that we already know he's talented. The tape is there. And through this process, people can realize, you know what? Yeah. We really have somebody here. Let's go into the end of the first round what was his, and lock up a running What back. was his injury concerns, guys? Guys, well, he suffered some injuries like an ankle yeah, injury yeah. throughout the year, so he rested up as the season wore on. Was he banged up like some of the other guys in this draft that are being mentioned, like Nick Chubb, an ACL injury in his junior year? No, he's he's fresh in terms of that regard. But it was more nagging. And I, I think you're saying why the is it, loss is it anything, production. Is it anything... Um, I don't think it'll be a chronic. Something that's going no. to continue to happen. So, no. Okay. No. So uh, a few other guys I wanted to mention. Ronald Jones from USC. I've seen some mock drafts that have him actually in the first round. Out. I wouldn't suspect that will happen, but it could. So what kind of player do you see Ronald Jones being? I think he'll be a back in the NFL. Marlon Mack made it for uh, the Indianapolis Colts from USF. He's projected I, to be the starter right now. Yeah, exactly. Year. Is Ronald Jones an elite running back like we're talking? Saquon Barkley, Darius Geis, my guy, Sony Michelle, or even Rashad Penny? Absolutely not. I think he's overvalued at this point. He'll be taken in the, in the draft probably, some are talking, first or second round. But again, from a production standpoint, I, don't think, I, I, I just don't see it. I think Wayne Gallman, in his second year, for the New York Giants, it has better upside than Ronald Jones coming out of the draft uh, for the combine. That's I don't wow. see that. No, I don't see that. Either. I think Gallman. What worries me about Gallman is he runs so upright, very high. So, yeah. but he guys like that don't last. Yeah, in in my viewing of the NFL, guys like that don't last a long time. Andre Williams from BC was a really powerful, productive back. He's already basically different out of the body league. Type though, Mike. He's I agree. Different, different I agree. But type. and and Gallman's got. But Gallman does have did have a major injury during his college career. He runs a little too upright. I think he's always going to be a part of a backfield or for uh, several more years. But I don't know that he could be a lead back, especially when the Giants. Well, first of all, it worries me that he's on the Giants because <laughs> there are several teams. Yeah. Like we we still have teams that have running back needs. But how deep was the need when the real issue was the offensive line in the first place? I said this back in August, Corey. The Giants, the Seahawks, and the Bengals are going to have problems this year offensively, and all three of them bottomed out. It was a one-man show in Seattle. It was unbelievable it was to a, watch. It would have been a one-man show in New York if, if Odell didn't get hurt. Then when yeah, he gets hurt, they couldn't move the football at all. Right. 
And so not only, and then he got hurt, and then everybody else got hurt. They were down to their fifth and sixth receivers. The Bengals were a complete disaster until the last two games of the year, where miraculously Marvin Lewis' team came to life, and now he's still the he's coach still, there. Marvin Lewis still has a job. You see, today on the podium, the uh, general manager said that uh, Joe Mixon will be their bell cow running back next year. Well, I would hope so. I mean, it's about time. We Love s- Joe it, sh- Mixon. it should have been that. <laughs> yeah. It should have been that. From the beginning of the year. Now, they do. I, I still think Gio Bernard is a talented Number player. Gio but Bernard will be in the mix. Yeah, Jeremy he always Hill will done. be. Yeah, I mean, but, he should have been. But to your point, both both Corey and you, we're talking about backs like Giovanni Bernard at North Carolina that had a solid career. He wasn't yeah. an elite running back in college, and yet he's starting in the NFL. Orleans Darqua for Tulane, mm-hmm. had a solid career, but he wasn't an elite back. He's the starting running back for the New York Giants. Wayne Gallman was a national champion. He yeah. averaged over five yards per carry, and he's not even given a shot. That's my point about these running backs that we've seen. And Chris Thompson's another one. His product productivity at Florida State, it was minimal. He wasn't an elite performer, but he, he started fast in 2017. So I think when you look at the running back position, that's an area where players, if given the chance and the opportunity, can translate and, and pr- How produce. How important is system for running backs? Very important. Very important. It, 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 it comes down to the offensive coordinator and the coach's ability to recognize how to utilize those players, get them into space. That's Sony Michelle's game. Can you get him into space? Whether you flank him out in the slot, put him on a nickelback or a linebacker, create mismatches. That's why Bill Belichick and McDaniels are so good because they find a way to get their playmakers on one-on-one matchups and they get them the football. I love it. Joe's already got his favorites. I know it. Lamar Jackson, Sonny Michelle. We'll get to the wide receivers in the next segment. Wayne, Wayne Gallman. Yeah, right. <laughs> I love Wayne Gallman. Players, players from Rich, last year's draft. Give me 30 seconds. <laughs> Rich, give me 30 seconds on Kalen Balaj. I know he's a late-round guy. That you yeah, like that well, one, one of my sleepers that I really like. I, I We're going to be watching in the next couple of days who wins the combine. Balaj from the running backs will be high on my list. 6'2", 227 pounds. Runs very well. Looks like a physical freak. Can actually catch passes. I think he was a little bit underutilized. It was a compliment with Demario Richard at uh, Arizona State. I think he'll do very well and will help his cause in Indianapolis. Good stuff. So that's it. Hour number one of the NFL Draft Combine special. Hope you're watching on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, anywhere else you can find us. We're going to come back with hour number two. We're going to talk wide receivers, tight ends. We're going to talk about some blind play, which we don't get a chance to do very often on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, but we'll do that after this. It's Mike. Joe, Rich, and Corey on the NFL Draft Combine Special.